0: Your next game is going to be full of villainous mayhem. And here's why. In this episode, we're going to find answers to what are the steps to build a memorable and frightening villain from your heroes? And what are some of the archetypes that you can draw from to draw from? What are some of the archetypes that you can draw from for creating your villain? And how do you lead up to one hell of a reveal? (laughs) Welcome to the Hook and Chance podcast. I'm Travis. And I'm his brother, Jordan. Jordan. How you been doing with all the sitting? Fuck. My ass. At work? At home? Yeah. Working from home is a little bit of a different experience. Normally, I stand all day at my desk at work in an office, and now I just pool all of my blood in my ass cheeks, and my brain goes dumb for most of the day. Well, my ass cheeks are free of blood as I walk throughout (laughs) my days. (laughs) I'm pretty grateful to be walking. Yeah, that's... uh, I mean, but you're still out. You're still exposed. Yeah, I need a bubble. You're (laughs) running a big Zorb. Deliver mail from a Zorb. Yeah. (laughs) Just a big plastic bubble. Well, hopefully everybody is still healthy and finding their outlets of happiness. Ours is gaming and it's going pretty well. And podcasting. Yep, for sure. And thanks for sticking with us. While, I don't know, while while the world falls apart, Jesus. Yeah, we feel pretty safe in our little podcast room. (laughs) If we just stay in this tiny room, nothing can hurt us, but it does get hot. (laughs) All right, today we're talking about villains. (laughs) (laughs) Is that your evil cackle? Yeah, you got to start subtle. Ah, okay. Can't come out strong with it. Yeah, you got to build up. Yeah. Sure. Well one of my biggest challenges is in becoming a better DM has been around villains. <laughs> oh there there's the better one. That was funny. <laughs> no, it wasn't. <laughs> Shit bag. All right. And the major problem that I've always had with villains is this like idea. So I start dreaming up a really cool villain and I'm spitballing these ideas back and forth inside my own head because I'm trying to reveal them for you yeah, or a, a group of players and I'm like, oh, this is going to be sweet and then the door swings open and then a puff of smoke and then he got- scars on their face and they got two eye patches and a golden eye and six hooks for hands. <laughs> Elbow hooks. <laughs> and then the players go, yeah, okay, yeah, uh, start combat. Uh, I, I take a shot at him and then they say w- who's that guy in the corner that that guy's just cleaning the <laughs> just mopping the floor yeah. what's his deal <laughs> let's get into his backstory <laughs> yeah it's, it's the, the reveal and building and crafting of a really good villain that will be memorable and that will stop the table and stop the game in its tracks while everyone goes oh holy shit yeah they actually care when it's revealed that's that's what we're going for and when that happens i can't help but feel so dejected it's like (laughs) i just have to keep my mouth shut the players can't know my shame feels kind of like dropping a cake off the overpass when it doesn't go right what (laughs) everyone's confused for a minute about what's happening and then forget about it interesting interesting I, I like. I need to sit down. We really need to figure out how your brain works. I don't, <laughs> that, was, <laughs> that was such a weird example. Nobody's ever done that. No, I, I have. I can't really put myself there. Sure. But <laughs> I think the the comparison still tracks in that it is really challenging to reveal it, a villain and want it to be impactful. You want it to matter. And I think that's built into a lot of D&D villains, um, monsters especially, is this like shock value of like, oh, it has so many eyes and it has laser beams and stuff like that. Yeah. And that's the shock value is great for monsters, yeah. for like a, oh, this thing's in the dungeon with you. But creating a really deep and rich villain that a, a whole group of players can rally around just defeating and celebrate the defeat of yeah oh and be terrified of uh it takes a lot of skill yeah it takes a very very concerted effort to do this thing and that's the kind of games that we like so let's get into the strategy stateroom and talk about how to build some bills. short for villains <laughs> i don't know if you need to shorten it build some bills Bill some bills this is the strategy stateroom, where inventive and cunning tactics are crafted for when they're needed most. Alright, so take us through the steps of building a badass villain. You gotta start by knowing your hero. Then you choose your villain's archetype. Then you build the character of your villain. And finally, you figure out how you're gonna build up to your villain. Just as simple as that. Well... Thanks for listening to the podcast today. We, uh, we hope you enjoyed it. Turn off your ear holes. <laughs> <laughs> okay, no, we're going to go through every one of those steps, obviously. So let's start at the very beginning. So knowing your hero. Yes. That's the starting point for It us. sounds like we're building a villain based on the players at the table and not just a rando for shock value. Not one that seems fun to us, but nobody else understands why. <laughs> <laughs> and this addresses that main issue of just dropping a villain there and everyone going, oh, yeah, seems evil. I guess we better... <laughs> How much hedge points does he have? Yeah, it's like, oh, uh, 80. And he has some lair actions, so... uh I guess he's a, good, uh, he's a good villain. Roll initiative. <laughs> so the way to combat that, that introduction of knowing that this is somebody that you have to defeat for the greater good of the world is knowing the characters that are at the table, the, the players that are playing these wonderful characters, what motivates those characters, and what's going to resonate with them in a way that, they all have no choice but to say, yes, this is a person that needs to be stopped. If you don't know your characters right now and you want to learn them better, this comes from the episode Amazing Characters from Compelling Backstories that we've done in the past, but we'll also provide a link to the character planner that you can use for this episode. And just as a quick recap, the character planner goes like this. So basically, as a player, you're going to fill out for your character a name, a background, you're going to choose a general theme, and then their ultimate wants, ultimate needs. And the most important piece to this whole plan is personality traits. So choosing five personality traits to build off of and to role play in game. And what's actually kind of neat about that character planner is that there's a section for creating NPCs. So as a player, you can absolutely create your own villain. At least the core concept, how they factored into your character's life. Absolutely. And there's a section in there to do that. You can create an ally and a nemesis. And every good character needs a nemesis. So whether it's a DM creating a a villain or it's a player creating a villain, both can kind of take this exact same approach that we're going to cover in this episode. And so the point here is that DMs, if you just have your characters fill out this one pager, you'll have more than enough to make some badass villains and to really know the heroes that are at your table. You can also kind of look for commonalities among those players. So looking for some of those traits that your villain can oppose on mass. So the more of those commonalities that you can find between say those five character traits to oppose those or to oppose their collective values among whatever players that you have at your table the more that villain is going to resonate. So step two, what's step two to build off an archetype? Because all of the stuff that we try to bring to the table, we do so because it gives us and hopefully you some creative constraints. This was not my idea, but something that stuck with me about this concept of creative constraint was think of three white things. Go ahead. Do it right now. (laughs) Think of three white things. If it's, taking you a moment, think of three white things in your fridge. Yeah, got it. Eggs, milk, cheese. My cheese is yellow. Chalk that up to useful facts. <laughs> okay, so anyways, there's a uh, a list of archetypes from masterclass.com that we thought was pretty useful for this, but it's used in screenwriting and it just it's a jumping off point. It's great to know what kind of archetypes are out there. We'll have a link so you can check it out, but we've got anti-villain the beast the bully the machine okay whoa 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 so you've got a whole bunch of archetypes give me an example of one of them the bully is an example so this is i mean everyone knows what a bully is but if you want one from a movie one of the best bullies is biff biff Tannen. he appears in all the timelines there's always a biff you chicken (laughs) mcfly (laughs) nobody (laughs) <laughs> I swear we've done that line <laughs> I, I'm sure this has appeared before. So there's lots of different archetypes. You've got henchmen. You've got, you know, the mastermind like Lex Luthor. You've got fanatics. You know, these are always your your just your general crazy people that are out there to end the world. They believe in one idea so fervently. That the, the Joker would be a great fanatic. Would he? Or would he be a evil incarnate? Ooh, well, I think that's a whole different episode, breaking those down. Yes, shut up. We're going back to to this episode. So you got to choose an archetype, and that helps you kind of build out who this character is and how they oppose your heroes. And from there, you can build the villain into their own character. So you're saying you could use the exact same backstory planner? That most players would use to build their characters to build a villain? Heckin' yeah. What? You don't even need more information. You already got it. It's like we knew. So on top of just making them characters, you don't want them to be super heroic. So, so a couple of things you have to think about when you're making a villain and not just a character are you have to make your villain dangerously powerful so that they're actually something that's going to frighten the characters in some way. Yeah, they have to have something at their disposal that the heroes don't have at theirs, whether that's a giant army or mystic powers or just something else. Maybe it's a magical weapon. Maybe it's a a talisman that they wear around their neck. And you just know that that gives them an edge over your heroes. Yeah. That's kind of inherent in a lot of villains, I think. It's just that they are powerful, whether you're throwing a beholder at somebody or a dragon, you just you know that they're powerful, but that's also why uh, goblins don't pose a tremendous threat. They're usually not the big bad. Yeah, my when I introduce a rat with rabies into the game, you don't think that that's the mastermind villain behind <laughs> everything. <laughs> but if you made it intelligent, hyper intelligent, and able to command an army, now all of a sudden it could potentially be a villain. It has powers at its disposal that dwarf your players. The royal rat. The grandest villain of them all. You're talking about Rattigan from the Great Mouse S- Detective. Ratigan, Also a mastermind. It's true. And when you're filling out that character sheet for your villain, again, think about those opposing traits to the heroes. Think about opposing goals, because in the end, the villain has to get in the way of what the hero wants with what they want. That's why they're an antagonist. And you can literally just take some of the players traits that they filled out and then grab a thesaurus <laughs> and then find the antonyms of those descriptions you so, mean you mean go to thesaurus.com yeah. you old <laughs> <laughs> don't grab a physical book like a peasant you use the internet you can absolutely just take those descriptors and make the exact opposite and that is simple enough That you will end up with a villain that is completely inexplicable why all of the players hate them. But if they're playing their characters half decently, they're going to hate this person. Yeah. Stands against everything they are. Even if you're playing in an evil campaign and all of your players have evil traits, (laughs) you make a hero that is exactly opposite, polar opposites, and they cannot help but want to fight that thing. You're talking hero villains now. I'm confused. All right. So even if you've done all of this so far, you still have to plan out how you're going to introduce the villain. Because again, you still can't just plop them in like sour cream from a skyscraper. You are just all over the map with your examples today. I don't know what is going on. You got the sugar brains, don't you? Almost. <laughs> Why live in the normal world when you can think anything you want? Because it still has to make some <laughs> semblance of sense. Fine. I'll be more normal. <laughs> So you want to build up your villain. Walk me through this. Well, this we're taking from the Bones of Horror episodes that we did because it's a good lead up to horror stories, but it also works really well for things like villains. It's like we had a good idea once or twice. (laughs) Yeah. We're finally tapping into them. Yeah. So the first one is comfort. Then you move to unease. Then you move to dread. Then terror. And finally horror. And that's the showdown. And you're more than welcome to go back and listen to it. But... As just a quick recap, the idea is is that you're building up terror and horror by playing within this space a little bit longer and doing it in a really conscious way so that you're introducing that comfort and unease and then you just jump back and forth between unease and dread and then you finally land it with terror and horror because if you just skip steps in the middle, you're going to lose momentum and it's not going to have the impact that you want. And the same is true for villains. This is why you can't just drop a beholder in there and go, ah, like the shock value will last for a little while. But if you really want this to be a compelling villain and want it to mean something to your players, then we still have to introduce them in a way that is really methodical and very intentional. So in comfort, how does does that comfort play well with a villain? Well, this is just whatever the characters are experiencing before the villain, before they're aware of anything that the villain's doing. We have to establish normalcy to know the threat that our villain poses on the world. So then unease. So with this, you just want to drop little things that the villain is doing to their own ends to make the characters aware that there's something going on. This is like coming across people in a tavern talking about the villain that's coming to town. Or they heard stories of a nearby town that was affected by the villain. But again, if you're dropping these in, make it relatable to the character's goals. Make little hints that there's something that could get in the way of their goals. that's looming. And this is why building them off of the players is so important. If you have a player that wants to one day retire and have a farm, well, then the villain has to be a threat to that end goal to have a farm if it's to amass wealth and magical weapons well now the villain is a collector of all magical weapons and has groups spreading throughout the land to collect every magic weapon but if you mix those up if you've got a character that wants to amass wealth and you've got tales of a villain that's attacking farms there's not a lot of motivation to stop them yeah and that's again a problem that i have faced before when i thought well this is a real mortal problem my players are going to pick up the torch and fight this bad guy because saving those farms is the right thing to do. And of course that falls flat every time (laughs) they don't pick up on that. They go, Hey, I heard about a dungeon. Let's go there. It's got treasure. Fine. I guess. And delights. You're just going to let this villain wreak havoc. (laughs) Yeah. I don't care. Upon the the land. Then we go to dread. So this is where it's starting to get a little more serious. The villain's starting to have an impact on the world. There's physical signs of it. So to carry that concept along, if this villain is out there grabbing all of these magical items, the heroes hear about a magical item that they're going to collect, only to arrive and it's already gone. Well, shit. Characters have been affected by this villain. I wanted that sort of doom shine. If it's threatening a town or farms, well... The the characters leave their farm and they come back to find their crops burned. Oh now there's goodness. real evidence and it's actually affecting their lives. Ah, my cherry corns. But they still haven't seen the villain. Yes, that's important. Better yet, if the villain is actually aware of your characters by name, this provides a really vulnerable feeling and will always put the players on the offensive. Right. You did this really well in the Waterdeep campaign when our safe haven was exposed. We had no choice but to go on the offensive. And that can be so powerful in terms of a villain is not just, hey, this person's actions are affecting me. That makes me morally want to go after them. But the real push at the very end is when the villain knows of them specifically. The villain knows where you sleep. Then they ramp it up to the terror step. This is where the villains are really starting to go after you. Their minions are coming for you at every turn. Everything that you try and accomplish is being dogged by the baddie. And I really love this because this is where we actually get hurt in some way as characters. Now this could be this could be that attack on our home in the Waterdeep campaign that I just referenced. I mean this could be that moment where somebody gets stabbed in the back by the villain saying this is a message from who's our who's our villain Jimmy Smalls Dr. Jimmy Smalls <laughs> I was really reaching there I went to 30s gangster <laughs> okay and I went to evil doctor <laughs> yeah that was that was truly weird we just created if you want to use dr jimmy smalls in in your campaign just let us know um that's, <laughs> we'll give you the rights yeah <laughs> we've released the rights to the incredible dr jimmy smalls so the final step is horror and this is that showdown of epic proportion that they've been waiting for they've been craving and this is why that ultimate showdown with the character that you just grabbed from the monster manual and threw down when we skip to this step, we've missed all of this important stuff in the middle that really builds that tension, that, that meaning to this showdown. Otherwise, we start at comfort and we go straight to the final stage, which is the showdown, and now it's just who can get to zero HP yeah. first. If, if Batman and Bane just started fistfighting at the start of a movie... I want to see that movie where they just skip to the very last scene in the Dark Knight Rises. They have not been introduced to one another as of yet, but Batman and Bane both look at each other in the eyes and go, well, obviously I have to fight you. Yeah. And then they just go and go ham on each other. Bane says, I hate bats. And Batman says, I hate tough guys. And Christopher Nolan would still win an award for that. <laughs> So what if we put this all into practice? Let's use your character. Let's actually work through this and make sure that we're not just talking out our ass. (laughs) But I like that. (laughs) I know you do. Okay. Well, let's use my character because Wibble's great. Wibble D. Wibble is a deep gnome monk who likes trinkets and bits and bobs, and he's a traveler. He's really lighthearted. Well, we'll get to that with the traits. Well, give me your traits then. Wibble is... Friendly, creative, curious, naive, and a hoarder. (laughs) Is that a trait? A hoarder? (laughs) And by going through our one-page character creator, I came out with this. My character is a friendly deep gnome drifter who had a life of relative peace in the woods, but the problem was an ogre that he befriended with a lie that turned against him, so they planned to disappear into the world and leave the ogre behind. Which they resisted because the ogre was the closest thing to a friend or family. But ultimately, they tricked the ogre into getting caught in a powerful river, so he wouldn't hurt him. Okay, so yeah, Wibble's kind of peaceful. It sounds like he finds solutions to problems without fighting. Yeah, he just kind of hurt the feelings of this ogre, which is really as far as D and D character backstories goes. I I like it because it's so just simple. It's simple. It goes against the grain for sure. So, yeah. So the next step in creating a villain would be getting an archetype. Well, you've got the nemesis built right into the story. Yeah. You know, this ogre is now my nemesis. I have to build him into something that is a little bit more intense and a little bit more foreboding and a little bit scarier for you. So you provided me as your DM a wonderful little backstory here. And so, yeah, if I use the bully archetype and your traits, again, friendly. So I can go just with, like, angry or aggressive, which fits with an ogre perfectly. Yeah. M- Wibble's creative, so the ogre could be simple. Simple, straightforward, direct. Uh, What else? So a a counterpoint to curious might be something like inflexible or... Even dumb. <laughs> Uncurious. And, <laughs> that's, I don't I don't know that that's a thing. But yeah, or or really presumptive, actually. Mm. You know, as as a counterpoint to Wibble, I might be able to drive you nuts with this ogre that is just so stubborn and so set in his ways that even when you start dialogue, because I know that you're gonna talk more than you're going to, going to fight. Yeah. So I want to give this ogre something else so that he's not just a basher. And so, yeah, if I wanted to stretch that out into somebody that just knew and was just stuck in his ways, that's going to drive your character a little bit nuts. Yeah, he knows everything, but it's all wrong. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> like Wibble's naive? Hmm. Naive. I think I could create a an ogre... That was world weary, and just kind of hated everything. He just like thinks that people are stupid and birds are stupid, and (laughs) so Wibble wants to learn about it because he's naive, and uh, the ogre just wants to crush it. Yeah, (laughs) like you play Wibble with this sense of wonder, and so I have to have this ogre be exactly the opposite of that, and then of course the final point being he's a hoarder. Yeah. What counters being a hoarder? Wibble's always got a cart with him that's just piled high with all of his quote-unquote treasures. Yeah. Which are things of very... Like candlesticks and cheeses and... (laughs) So if I made an ogre that literally destroyed everything, like he needs nothing. He's got a loincloth. That's pretty good. And a club. And a club. So if he just left nothing behind for Wibble to collect <laughs> <laughs> yeah. or, or smashed in advance, like everywhere you would go, he's three steps ahead, just smashing all the cool shit that you want to collect. Yeah. And all you find is the tattered pieces. Ah, oh, potential treasures. So if I want to make this ogre be more of a threat though, like I could see a world in which Wibble could very easily kind of go toe-to-toe with an ogre he's small he's fast yeah he's a monk i mean it's a fun little combat sure yeah but if i want to make him truly horrifying and really dangerous then i give him more so i'm thinking he has a small army of goblinoids like bugbears that he's swayed to his side just with sheer strength and then of course like a a a team of small goblins that will kill for him because they just respect that power. Yeah. So now he has a a group that can overwhelm you. And he's got a purpose. He's got a purpose of smashing my character. So goblins might follow him just because he's got a purpose. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's fair. <laughs> you have vision, sir. <laughs> I will follow you to the ends of the earth. So that's pretty good. So if we do, if we go through this, And I'm thinking this ogre doesn't want to kill Wibble. Wibble made him feel inadequate and duped. He betrayed him by tricking him. So now this ogre doesn't want to kill Wibble. He just wants to make his life shit. So he's going to try to always hurt or disrupt or anger Wibble at every turn, but never kill. Hmm. And that might mean... Yeah, uh, ransacking towns before Wibble ever gets there. And just being this presence that's always in front of him. So if I were to go through this with the actual ogre, so to follow more of the steps on our character backstory, our character creation sheet. I mean, we've already kind of talked about what the status quo was. He was an ogre that was just kind of living a simple life. We have a kickoff, which He met and was duped by Wibble. Now he's resisting destiny. So it's not worth the effort. I don't, I got swept down a river. I got made to feel inferior and stupid. And it's not worth the effort. I can just go and live my life. But no, (laughs) the enemy's call to adventure is I need to exact justice on this tiny, smarmy little asshole that duped me. (laughs) and maybe he finds that maybe the call to adventure comes in the form of finding those goblinoids like at first he's alone he's like it's gonna be hard to track him down yeah I don't know but now he has the resources yeah so his ultimate want and his ultimate need as a part of that character creation so his want is to hurt Wibble Uh, But his ultimate need, if we're going to create an enemy that you could potentially not fight. Yeah. That you could talk to and reason with. Because they've got their own motivations and reasons to live and all that stuff. And unless you're trying to create a force of nature, there has to be two options. So the ultimate want is to hurt Wibble. The ultimate need might just be to let it go and to maybe forgive Wibble. Yeah, move on with his life. Is that a possibility in this adventure? <laughs> I think so. And then, if you move on to the ally, his ally could be, you know, the previous goblin leader Ooh. from the group that he's got. Like the toughest. Yeah. It's like a lieutenant. Yeah. Now, yeah. hmm. I like that. It could be that hobgoblin or something. I don't know. It could be just a regular goblin. It could be a goblin that he's disguised as Wibble so that he can cause more chaos in Wibble's life.
1: If Interesting. It, if the
0: goblins are attacking a farm or a town, and all of a sudden, Wibble's spotted amongst them. And then Wibble comes to town. I would like to see this half-hearted <laughs> disguise. Well, no, but still, like somebody might be like, "I saw a bunch of goblins, and I saw one little gray dude looked kind of like a deep gnome yeah. with them. And then a great, a tiny gray deep gnome comes to town the next day. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Wibble's in for some trouble. So if we go through all of those beats of the horror build-up. We've got comfort, so obviously Wibble has to enjoy the comforts post his backstory with this ogre, so maybe finds a nice place to chill out for a little while, a nice sleepy town. Finds an empty farmhouse. Yeah, yeah. Finds an abandoned one that he makes his own. Yeah. So then we have to go into that unease. So maybe he heard of other farms being attacked and burned nearby. So you're just introducing the idea that there's a force out there. Yeah. Um, Again, that's kind of getting in the way of Wibble's goals because he just wants to find somewhere to cozy down. And he's in a farmhouse now, so that works perfectly. Yeah. Yeah, he's found a place to chill. So then we can go to Dread. We want to flip back and forth between Unease and Dread. So if we go to Dread, we could have his home smashed while Wibble's out one day maybe not completely smashed but just like evidence that oh they were there like when when somebody breaks in but doesn't take anything yeah like that's that's some dread right there <laughs> just all of your all of your picture frames are turned upside down or maybe some of those valuable possessions to him are gone or you've got graffiti scrawled all over your stuff that says tiny turd or something like that <laughs> tiny turd yeah <laughs> ugly deep gnome maybe if his stuff was stolen it shows up in other places in the world that he goes to i can we go back because i really i really enjoy the idea of like ogre graffiti the the really quick hard-hitting quips that an ogre would come up with (laughs) would be so so satisfying little bad tiny face dung mouth (laughs) So then we can go, yeah, back to unease and maybe other townspeople tell him where his stuff is. Maybe that's when the survivors of attacks tell Wibble that someone like Wibble was part of the attack. Mm. What's going on? Getting kind of uncomfortable for me. So then maybe people start, if we hop back to dread, then maybe some of those people start to turn on him. Some of the, the... friendly folks in town that he has befriended yeah they just say we can't take the risk you got to get out of town you're associated somehow with these attacks we don't know how so get out yeah you're a tiny dung <laughs> so says the graffiti <laughs> there was a picture of you painted poorly on the wall very of crude drawing my tavern <laughs> So then we go to the terror stage. That's when you're ready to actually ramp up to that final fight. And I would say maybe the goblin leader doesn't understand the rationale behind keeping Wibble alive. The goblin leader just wants to go ham and tries to murder Wibble. Before you get to terror, unless your characters are just like truly trying to live a simple life, they're probably going to seek out the cause of all of this discomfort. Yeah. So the terror would likely come as Wibble is deciding to go after whoever's doing this to him. And we still don't know that it's the ogre. Yeah. This could very well appear to simply still be some goblins. Yeah, true. You really don't know what these goblins have beef with you for. (laughs) But here's this goblin lieutenant that is a little bit more dangerous, a little bit uh, craftier. He's the smart one. He found a, potion of intelligence and he's been sipping it for weeks (laughs) and after this combat now the real showdown begins Uh, we built it up you're still questioning why and now the ogre finally makes his appearance face to face you got a showdown and we'll see how that plays out because now at this point the character has all of this stuff to work with you could go in a myriad of different directions from trying to solve this diplomatically and heal old wounds between (laughs) (laughs) or you can just battle it out when you finally get to that reveal i still like the idea of not putting the villain right in harm's way because that's where you can get an accidental like quick resolution which is fine but you probably want to stretch that battle out for at least a few rounds so i'd like the idea of The ogre standing on a hilltop, his silhouette illuminated with a bunch of goblins beside him, and he sends all the goblins down, and Wibble's trying to get to the ogre. Something a little bit more dramatic, for sure. Something like that. And depending on on how this combat goes, I can keep using these exact same steps. I can repeat everything again, because if that ogre gets away alive, yeah. or this is not resolved in some way, I just start repeating those steps. The ogre goes away for a little while. I focus on a different player at the table. Yeah. Or we just get into a little bit of a different story. And here comes back the ogre again. And I can repeat these same steps and achieve the same or at least very close to similar results. Or the you know the ogre teams up with a different villain that you introduced later. Oh, You got a team. You got a Sinister Six scenario <laughs> where all of your rogues gallery <laughs> gathers together. Yeah. It's fun to go through those steps in order, and it just seems a lot easier than the ways that I've tried it before. It's like trying to throw a dart blindfolded. You have a chance to hit the mark, but the odds are stacked against you. But if you take that same repeatable step, you take the blindfold off. Because we've all thrown darts with a blindfold on. (laughs) That's something everybody's done. Bullshit. You absolutely (laughs) have done that. I'm certain that is such a you thing to do. (sighs) Don't tell me you've never thrown a dart with your eyes closed. I have. Yeah. So if you take those same repeatable steps, then you're likely, you're far more likely to achieve predictable, enjoyable, positive results. Absolutely. And it's just fun. Let us know how this goes with creating your villain. Tell us about your killer villain that you made following these steps on our usual social channels. But before we do that, let's get into our second segment, which is a little bit more based around what's happening right now, because everyone wants to play online in the Temple of Inspired Hands. This is the Temple of Inspired Hands, where amazing products and revolutionary ideas are brought to light. So recently, some of the wonderful people that we call friends on our Discord, they mentioned that we should do an episode about playing online and how to do that successfully. Because there is a lot of ways to do it that kind of fall flat, unfortunately. With everyone self-isolating right now, it's so crucial. Like, playing online games when you don't have a lot of social outlets is... My God. (laughs) Right now... There is a slow mental collapse that you can feel in this household because we have not played some (laughs) D&D. That's true. And the reason why we shied away from doing an episode is because of this exact problem that we're going through right now. We're not experts at playing online. We've invested in this great D&D room for playing personally in the same space. Yeah. However we are not experts on playing online. But because we know plenty of people that do and they're way more better good at it. (laughs) More better good. (laughs) We're going to turn to them. And as an example, uh, our friend Dom, he plays every single week. He plays very routinely online despite the fact that he's a full-time truck driver. So he plays from his truck. Yeah. If you are find yourselves in the same kind of situation like us, we wanted to highlight something that one of our main contributors on our Discord, WillHP, brought to our attention, which was Zwiefer's Guide to Online Play. It's very in-depth. It kind of covers everything that you'd want to know about playing online if you're in the same unfamiliar waters as us. It's a great collaboration by some of the folks in D&D Behind the Screen, which is the DM subreddit Of course, this is the same behind the screen that the friend of the show Famous Hippopotamus that was a previous guest on this show founded. And then, of course, this is a a really cool collaboration between a few people, including the Zwiefer, uh, aforementioned Zwiefer, created. They start by talking about some of the issues of playing online, like the slowdown of gameplay, the shifting of player focus can be really difficult sometimes to keep people's attention when they have their whole world at their disposal. They're not in a, an unfamiliar place like around the D&D table at your house. They are online with all of the millions of distractions that are there. <laughs> I know I would be largely susceptible to this. But then they talk about the advantages like timeliness and flexibility and the amount of space that the DM gets because... You just spread out in the nude if you want. Jesus, don't do not do, do that. that. <laughs> don't make the assumption and then just follow that up with don't do that. Don't listen to me, ever. <laughs> well, and also some of the advantages is taking advantage of some of the amazing resources that, they, that exist to facilitate online D&D, like using virtual tabletops. There's Roll Twenty, but there are so many others. Uh, Tabletop Simulator and Fantasy Grounds, for instance, are two of the the big ones that do an incredible job. Like you've recently used Tabletop Simulator to play other games, and it is it like it's an incredible platform. Yeah, very cool. It doesn't take a super long time to learn, but and they also talk about some of the mapping applications that are out there too, because that's a huge obstacle if you're not used to digital maps. And they give a lot of different applications that you can use to create your own maps. But then, of course, there is the folks that are out there creating digital maps for your use. And unless you're like us with a virtual tabletop, like a physical virtual tabletop, this is where most of those maps come in the most handy. Like Dynamic Dungeons, one of the Patreons that we support, which gives fully animated moving maps. Like that's the only way that you can really use these if you don't have a big expensive virtual tabletop (laughs) that you nicked your knuckles and screamed and swore for six months trying to build. Sure. Yeah, we won't cover all of the content there because it's not ours, but please check it out if you're struggling with this at all. It's It's a great guide. Yeah. So hopefully all of this self-isolation is not holding back your adventures really, truly from the both of us. We hope that you are able to play some D&D. Don't let the adventures stop just because we're all dealing with this shit. Yeah. But we'll keep on posting episodes. Hopefully a little bit of entertainment helps. Nothing's stopping us. The episodes are just getting weirder. (laughs) Yeah. So thank you very much to Tabletop Audio for the sound effects that you heard in this episode. If you want to talk to us about some of this stuff please join our Discord. There's other people there that are super helpful and super welcoming. Very talented DMs and players. And if you're building some villains, please tell us about it on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, or Reddit, or that Discord channel. Find us at Hook and Chance. Let us know what you're doing in your games with that. Thanks, Thanks for, for listening. listening. And my face is average three. size, you monstrous ogre. Ha ha ha, tiny face. <laughs> See? I can do it too.